Hello and welcome to a new episode of Pat's Chat. Today, another awesome guest, Benjamin Croc Ben, uh, from France originally. Uh, hi, Ben. How are you doing today? Hi, Patrick. I'm well. Thank you. Thanks for having me on the show. Okay, awesome. As I said, a uh, French guy, but in Malaysia since uh, 10 years, I think exactly 2011, you relocated over here, um, started your own company, you're the co-founder and CEO of uh, Brio HR. Um, we talk a little bit about that later. Uh, first of all, thank you very much for making the time joining me today. And I'm sure this will be an awesome talk today with you. Uh, as I said, from France originally, that where you, that's where you grew up. Um, whereabouts in, in France? So I'm from Normandy. And so I'm sure if you know Normandy, it's very close by Paris, which is, of course, the anchor point for everyone in, in France, <laughs> uh, from a city called Rouen. Um, so, so, yeah, a, a nice uh, mid-sized city of France. No, not in the big city, right? but uh, still nearby. Uh, that's awesome. Exactly. Um, okay, you you uh, spend your first years uh, there around. I I figured out you do you did two masters degrees. I, I I had to I had to ask you about that. Like, how has someone an idea not to do one masters but two masters? What was the idea for you behind that? Yeah, I, actually, the sequence uh, plays a plays a role in understanding a bit the journey, you know, towards having a uh, two masters. So uh, in France, it's very normal to uh, to go until the master's level uh, when you are completing your studies. So it's very uh, natural to at least complete one master. Not everyone does, but a lot of people do. Um, then then I started working actually right after my, my my studies. My first master, I started working, spent a few times in the in PwC um, and then CMACGM. I think we will probably come back to to this. Uh, but then after those few years, I realized that. Um, I wanted to, to expand my horizon professionally, but also personally and so on. And that's where actually I, I decided after, after thinking a bit about it and after uh, getting some information online and so on, that's where I decided to complete an MBA uh, at INSEAD. So that's what uh, ultimately led me to have a, a second master's, but the two masters uh, themselves are very different from each other. And also even uh, the the person I was at the time of my first master, so a student versus the person I was during the second <laughs> one, which is already a young professional, I would say. Yes. <laughs> uh, made, it, uh, made it a bit more logical. Yeah. Okay. That that's I think uh, the very big difference, right? You said the 2016 MBA uh, Master in Business Administration, the first one you did right after, well, the mentory school uh, in uh uh, Master of Science in Business, Finance, and Management, right? Um, that okay. that is an interesting topic you just mentioned. Um, how how would you say is the difference or the experience for you, like doing masters with no um, working experience compared to the one that you had, like already ten years of uh, experience on your job? Wow, that's that's a great question because I think the the difference is major, major. Um, I think as a as a student, I. I would not even really ask myself what what to do, what I did, uh, what did I want to do. You know, I had no clue what it was uh, really working and so on. So I kind of went with the flow and didn't particularly like school and like studying uh, like <laughs> academics at the time. Uh, so so you know, it was an experience where okay, I had to get it done basically. Um, then I started working in those different uh, professional experiences, and at some point. I really evolved, and I think it's a fairly common 
path or trajectory among among a, a young professional, I would say, where at some point I had a realization that I felt, uh, even though it was from a good school in France and so on, I didn't learn as much as what I could have learned and so on. So it, it became at some point a bit of a, not a regret, but something, you know, that I didn't maximize. And I was a bit um, unhappy about this. So when I, I started the, the MBA in Sian, it was completely different because I knew what it was to work. So I could enjoy the year off. <laughs> Even if it was an intense year, it was kind of a year off work still. Um, and, uh, and also I could enjoy really much more uh, the fact, the very fact uh, of being learning new things. And also I could relate it much more to practical realities mm -hmm. of the work life. So those yeah, three yeah. things uh, combined make it a, an extremely different mindset approach. Uh, mm -hmm. And in my opinion, impact as well. Interesting. Uh, so definitely it sounds like your recommendation would be work first and then uh, get back to your MBA and um, uh, make use of your first experience. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I would, uh, first, I would say that uh, you don't have to do an MBA. It really is something that you, that mm -hmm. if you want to do, I would encourage it thousand times over. Mm -hmm. If you don't want, yeah. I will not try to convince you. So I really think it's it dependent on everyone. But uh, you're right. I mean, practical experience to connect uh, the studies with the with the actual um, uh, reality of things. I think it's it's uh, it uh, makes a major difference. But even when you do your initial studies, you know you can have opportunities for internships and so on. So I think mm -hmm. you can still make the best of those to have this uh, um, you know this uh, this yeah. real fit between uh, uh, theory and reality. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Okay, very interesting. Thanks for sharing that, Ben. Um, after you complete your master's in, uh, in like business finance management, I said that you started your first uh, job in uh, PwC in France um, as an auditor, of course. Is that the logical step? Is that what you were looking for? Or was that more like, uh, yeah, I don't know what to do. Let's start as an auditor and then I can still see what I want to do in life. It's 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 also a bit funny. So there there is a lot of things that in the end, when I look back on on, on, on each of them, they are they are they are they seem strange to explain in isolation, you know. But in the end, there are there is always a chain of events, obviously that that leads to that. So when I completed my uh, my masters, um, I didn't know really what to do. So I used to play a lot of badminton. I used to do badminton player. That's kind of what led me to, to Malaysia in a way. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> okay. It's not very mediatized, but in Malaysia, we all know how important badminton is. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and actually, uh, I wanted initially my my first studies. Actually, my my bachelor was in sports, sports science. Um, and then and then because of uh, some uh, some specific events, I, I I finally enrolled in this uh, business school in France where I got my uh, my masters. Um, but but you know I, I I was destined to to be a sports teacher maybe you know like uh, literally I was not really asking myself too much questions uh, at the time, mm -hmm. but uh, when it came to the to having my masters to the end of that stretch uh, of of uh, of my studies, um, I actually met someone through a badminton you know sort of badminton contact through in the badminton tournament, saying hey oh, by the way uh, I'm a financial auditor it's amazing it's uh, PwC, it's a great company. You should give it a look, um, give it a try, and so on. Uh, and basically, arrange me to go for interviews with PwC. So, a financial auditor, but at the time, I had no 
knowledge of really accounting and so on. You know, it was not like deep detailed knowledge of accounting, but I ended up, uh, I ended up uh, helped with this badminton background in terms of contact and recommendation and so on. I ended up being um, an auditor. So, you know, I, I completely came into it uh, randomly. Uh, what happened, however, <laughs> is that since day one, I really loved it. Like I really love the colleagues. I really love the job, really, and um, and it's a job that sometimes is is seen as a bit uh, dull. But actually, you learn so much and you interact with so many mm -hmm. interesting people. Like I actually loved it, and and I went quickly from not being uh, not knowing really what PwC was even <laughs> to uh, a PwC auditor, um, and um, and I, I really I really enjoyed it. So so really, what led me to being a financial auditor is is weird. But but then I really became a, a, a financial editor and, and 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 did a few years with them. <laughs> okay, and it seemed you liked the the finance sector, as you just mentioned before. Your next yeah. path or your next step in the career path was the this uh, global uh, shipping company, um, where you became the head of global finance. So what what was first? Um, you looking uh, towards uh, Malaysia, or you looking towards like a new job uh, as this? Uh, global uh, or a head of global finance sorry so it, it was really um, the, the the geography i, I really uh, wanted with uh, with my partner at the time to discover more of the world uh, even though i loved pwc after a few years i felt that uh, it was time for me to you know to to look at something else and so on but more importantly because i always valued the personal side um, uh, at least as much as the professional side, you know, it was not, it was never about a career career. It was what would the career enable? And I wanted to uh, enable the, the, the international, I would say, perspective. Uh, so I started looking for a job in Southeast Asia. Why Southeast Asia more than anywhere else? Because of the badminton. Clearly, I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> okay. Asia is the continent of badminton. And I, I, I had the opportunity to come to Malaysia yeah. uh, a, a while before to to train actually with the with the, uh, some of the best players in the world at the time so so oh, wow. um, okay. for for Malaysians who may we may we may watch this or, or listen to this uh, we were training with uh, with Miss Boon Sidek who went on to be the coach of Li Chongwei yeah uh, wow the, the, okay the uh, so so yeah. i had really Southeast Asia <laughs> yeah so I, i had really Southeast Asia in mind uh, and then that's how we we um, I uh, personally, but we, with my partner, stumbled on this opportunity to go to, to Malaysia. So that's what led to okay. CBCGM. Cool. Awesome. So uh, as I mentioned before, that was 2011, uh, 10 years ago. Um, the, the question I usually get, well, I'm not 10 years here, uh, but I figured out basically, I shared that with you before that uh, my first time here in Malaysia was also in 2011. I, I didn't even know that before, but then I was uh, on and off. Uh, but what, what uh, was it for you? Why did you stay 10 years in, in Malaysia? That's, um, that's, that's a, I mean, a good question with many good answers, I think. Um, but definitely <laughs> yeah. when, I, when I started in, in 2011, uh, the, the contract was for one year renewable. And that's kind of the time horizon that I set at the time, you know, again, without asking uh, uh, myself too, too many questions. Uh, but then the first year was amazing. I discovered really this country and this region. The second year, I could, I could go a bit deeper in, in, in all this. Uh, in parallel, some uh, opportunities at work came in that, that led me, you know, to, to take on more responsibilities, to discover new uh, areas, to, to have um, interesting challenges to, to take over. 
So, so in the end, it quickly became like three, four years. Uh, then I spent a year in Singapore to do the MBA in, uh, in, in India that I was mentioning earlier. Um, but because we were kind of established also in, uh, in Malaysia, I came back after the MBA to, to Malaysia. And, uh, and, uh, and, and yeah, again, it's, it's kind of a combination of uh, personal interest. Uh, I love the country. I love the environment. I love the people and so on. So it, there was never a question for me about leaving this place. And in parallel, uh, interesting professional opportunities that led me to really discover mm. new things all the time and so on. So, you know, yeah. without realizing it, I can say it's 10 years, uh, which <laughs> is uh, even strange, strange for myself at some point. <laughs> 10 years in Malaysia, again, for the shipping company, you changed to uh, McKinsey, to Lazada. Um, and then in 2018, that's why we want to talk a little bit more about it. Uh, suddenly, you had the idea of becoming an entrepreneur. I assume it was not suddenly, but what was the process you made? You went through what, what happened in 2018 that you figured out enough with the large enterprises you want to start your own company? Yeah, I mean, uh, this, this also actually uh, was a, a, a chain of events that was possible. Yeah, it's really like, when I think about it, when I reflect on it based on the on your question and so on, I realize it myself in real time, basically. But uh, the, you know, I, I joined, uh, I, when I joined McKinsey, um, it was something that I wanted to do for some time. So that's probably the first time where I had really engineered what I wanted to do. Meaning that when I was at CMACGM, I discovered uh, consulting. I discovered uh, those uh, those uh, those big consulting firms such as McKinsey, and I wanted to do that. So I did the MBA in order to actually uh, be able to then join McKinsey and so on, because it was kind of a gateway uh, to those uh, to those companies. Um, so so I did McKinsey. I loved it. Again, I loved it. Uh, was extremely uh, uh, happy with the with the people I met, the project I worked on, and so on. Uh, and uh, uh, so uh, a friend of mine actually was trying to to attract me to Lazada since some time already. You know, he was the, the, the CEO of Lazada uh, Malaysia, uh, Christophe Lejeune, and uh, was was from time to time reaching out with some uh, interesting opportunities and so on. But I wanted to stay on with McKinsey. Uh, at some point, actually, I, I became a, a father. Uh, and uh, so I, I decided to take a long paternity I decided to take four months paternity leave to to be there basically to participate and yeah, and, nice. and that's yeah. what you can do in a in a consulting job when when you're in between projects mm -hmm. there is kind of some flexibility which I wanted to to leverage McKinsey was extremely supportive so uh, I mean uh, one more great point for this company to be honest um, and then roughly at that time uh, Christophe so the, the CEO of Lazada at the time Lazada Malaysia came to me with that opportunity to be the head of strategy and so on. And the conjunction, again, the, the, the stars that align at this time where the, the work, uh, the work-life balance when you're a McKinsey consultant is, is skewed to what work. Um, I was a new dad. I had this position at Lazada that was actually of uh, high interest. So that's how I kind of decided to, to, leave, um, to leave McKinsey to join Lazada. And actually, the Brio HR, the entrepreneurship thing, is also something that that kind of mingled in in this. <laughs> I, I when I left McKinsey, I would never even think about becoming an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. I would never even think about HR tech, which is which, what we do at, at Brio HR yeah. and so on. Mm -hmm. um, but some some kind of reflection 
happened be between McKinsey and Lazada during this four months paternity leave, basically, which led me to, in the end, uh, only think about becoming an entrepreneur in HR tech after this stretch. So, so it's really a realization that Companies that I've that I've seen that I've worked with um, when I was at PwC uh, and when I was at, at a consultant or an employee and so on, I had a realization and at some at some point a reflection that that there was a gap in terms of HR tools in terms of some HR practices and so on that I wanted to contribute in in filling up for the good of the of the people and the companies themselves. So from from no entrepreneur at all to I absolutely need to be an entrepreneur in in three months. <laughs> wow. Okay. I mean, okay. You you came up with this idea, and uh, um, I before we move into Brio, really, I, I have one more question, and uh, that's what I ask sometimes. Um, uh, you are a co-founder. That means there are other founders or other co-founders. Um, what What is your perspective on that? Because the discussion we often have like in startups is like, do you go alone as a founder you, or do you do your own company? You can do as you wish or do you go with co-founders? Uh, you choose the co-founder's way. Uh, can you give you just like your perspective on how you see the advantages really um, uh, or also maybe uh, some of the, the the challenges or struggles that you had being a co-founder? Mm -hmm. That's, uh, that's of course, a, a very interesting and crucial aspect, uh, in my opinion, of, uh, of entrepreneurship, of launching a, a company. Of course, different people will have different preferences. For me, it was never really a question, in fact, uh, I never really strategize on being alone or having co-founders and so on. Even though um, if you had asked me at the time, I would have said I would prefer having co-founders. It was not necessarily something engineered again. Um, however, when I started thinking about uh, what would become Brio HR and when I started sharing with some friends who were actually inquiring about, uh, you know, like we were just catching up, what do you do, what do you, what you want to do and so on and so on, uh, it became extremely obvious uh, that uh, that Nabil Nabil Udgiri, my uh, my co-founder, uh, would actually uh, be uh, be with me from day one uh, in this uh, in this adventure. Mm -hmm. And I think the reason is uh, that that we we connected on the on the on the RIA uh, right away. Like it was clearly a passion of both of us. It was not uh, one being convinced. You see uh, by the other. Yeah. You see what I mean? Yeah. Um, and uh, so so the, the how it happened was very natural. Of course, then you still need to consider a few factors. Are we compatible in terms of personality? Um, with Nabil, we had the chance to be uh, friends, but not too close friends, meaning that we, we, we were good friends at INSEAD. That's where we met. And oh. then after INSEAD, we were catching up on a regular basis and so on. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but not too close so that there is no like particularly... Mm -hmm. specific emotional uh, uh, things and so on. You know, we are, mm -hmm. we are good friends, uh, like like to have a good discussion together, think about yeah. things together yeah. and so on, which actually um, um, fit perfectly with the initial stages of should we do it? Because for a few months it was, should we do it, right? It was not... Yeah, a, yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and then once it has started, so the, the impact of having a co-founder, and of course, a very complementary co-founder. I think it's important. And I think it's a good advantage to have a very complementary uh, co-founder. So of course, we wanted to do um, HR tech and so on with a component business, but of course, a, a huge tech foundation and so on, which is not my background, but which is Nabil's background. So there was a lot of complementarity. Um, 
And then since then, uh, since then, definitely having a co-founder, in my opinion, is a huge uh, way of uh, releasing some of the stress of of always fact checking or double checking what you have in mind. Uh, I tend sometimes to you know to want to have a, a lot of uh, ideas, a lot of uh, fast decisions, and so on. But we always mm-hmm. have discussion that then help uh, maybe a good a good idea to begin with to become. A, to become the idea that can be uh, implemented and uh, structured and so on. You see what I mean? So it's a yeah, really- I see. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that makes a lot of sense. So um, okay, yeah. One one more of those coincidences that you you uh, referred to uh, about before. So you met in the in the N- MBA program. Uh, so that's cool. It's a good story. I, I like that. And uh, so let's turn now to, to the company itself, Brio HR, uh, HR tech company. Uh, your mission is to develop the best end-to-end HR management software. So that's your mission. Again, it's Brio HR, not Brio. Uh, but maybe you can elaborate on that one because that's a it's a, a good a good idea behind that. <laughs> yeah, I, actually, so the, the pronunciation itself, we are fairly okay and used to, to both. So Brio, Brio, we are not very particular about it. Uh, the, the, the fun part of it is that when we started with Brio uh, as, a, as a name, uh, I thought it would be uh, indeed a, a word that, wa- that was uh, widely used uh, worldwide. Uh, because in France, it's actually a word that we use a lot and so on. And because it's a Latin word, you know, I thought that spread like like any other language uh, um, would have spread. <laughs> um, so, so Brio, uh, actually, uh, the first few discussions, and even still still today, huh, the first few discussions we have with clients, with prospects, and so on is, by the way, what does Brio mean? So that's funny because very quickly, I realized that the assumption that Brio would be a, a well-known word, but it was not at all the case. Uh, and uh, and indeed it became uh, it became actually a good uh, a good way to start the discussion you know yeah. a good, a good icebreaker it's a nice breaker, yeah. with each other <laughs> and 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 because you you specifically ask about the the meaning and so on so brio means uh, managing uh, in in our case of course uh, managing your employees in the in the in style in a flamboyant way so 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 we felt that we really wanted to 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 achieve for our clients and so on by providing, you know, the the, the right uh, application. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, doing something in style, doing something with Brio, it's it's something that uh, that is actually very commonly used in the, in France. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Very interesting. Very nice. Uh, now tell us a little bit more about the software itself. I mean, uh, how did you start, and what is? Uh, uh, I mean, okay, you say um, it's a management software, but uh, tell us more about like what the software really can do and how it helps a company to manage their HR. Yeah. Sure. So so the the, the premise on, of of Brio HR is really that we felt that the I would say uh, mid to large SMEs, uh, you know, like the mid market in the region where we are lacking the, the tools to really uh, manage their HR as efficiently as they could and potentially as efficiently as they should. Um, so uh, from the very beginning, uh, our, our, our vision was to provide an all-in-one platform because uh, we believe that even though there are great softwares that are fragmented, you know, covering specific aspects of HR like recruitment or payroll or something else, we really felt that there was a, a, a gap uh, in terms of having all-in-one solutions that really cover the full employee spectrum. Um, and actually, uh, this, this lack of all-in-one solution 
uh, was triggering companies to, or H and HR professionals in particular, to manage data from different sources. So you would have four, five, six listing of employees in the company, which you have to reconcile, but most of the time mm -hmm. they would be different. So if you look in the yeah. payroll, you will have a different list of employees than if you look, for example, in the in the performance management, you know, we, and, and that <laughs> yeah. can be multiplied by, by two or three. So we, we really felt that the, the answer we wanted to bring to this was all-in-one without mm -hmm. compromising on the individual uh, segment. So that's that's where we we, we came with the, the concept of Brio HR, which really helps uh, companies to really streamline their HR processes and their HR organization by having an integrated uh, application covering recruitment. And when you have hired someone, you would have a, a, non, a new joiner onboarding module, which really would digitize the full process of new joiner onboarding, which mm -hmm. is even more prevalent yeah. and interesting during this uh, time of mm -hmm. uh, remote work and distributed yeah. work. And so yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, once an employee would then uh, be in the company, we would cover the full uh, core HR and, and HR admin uh, module. So for example, we would have uh, the employee database, the employee records, the employee documents, but also leaves management, payroll management, expense claims management, time management, um, directory, automated org chart, organization chart. So uh, uh, all the core HR that would usually be, again, fragmented and very manual would be all integrated. So flowing seamlessly from recruitment to onboarding to uh, core HR. And finally, uh, we have a module that actually is very popular, which is performance management which helps once again digitize and, and, and make performance management processes much more robust mm. while taking much less time to administer and to put in place. And this covers, for example, of course, monitoring of KPIs or OKRs, uh, documenting of one-on-ones, uh, but uh, also competency uh, management, uh, automation of the appraisal process and so on. So yeah. all this, if you want packed in a, in a user-friendly uh, app, um, that would basically avoid having to have to log into different softwares and so on. And again, uh, if I want to, to finish to, on, on what I was explaining at the very beginning, one of the huge impact of having the all-in-one is adoption. It's much easier to have employees uh, follow a process or document something in the same application that they would use on a day-to-day basis rather than have them do, do something on email, something on PowerPoint, something on Excel, something in the software and something uh, maybe uh, verbal. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. that's, that's basically what we wanted to pack. It, it sounds uh, really uh, complete, e exciting, to be honest, end-to-end, uh, -end, as you say. Um, how did you start? What, what, what was the first module that you came out with and you started basically that, um, that uh, can I call it tool or, yeah, the platform? Yes, no, that, that's interesting. And that's, of course, the, the fruit of many discussions and, and so on, where, where to start and how to start. Um, at the very beginning, so um, we, we, it was the two of us, right? Uh, me and my co-founder really like trying to figure out what we, what we will be doing and so on. Uh, okay. Even though we, we have a very clear idea of what we wanted to accomplish. I, indeed, the first step and second step you know, is not that clear when you have never done it and so on. So we, we basically, uh, during the first few months, we did all we could to basically um, get a prototype, I would say, uh, of, the, of, the, of the ground, uh, something that would really help us to convey uh, not only our vision, but also the value that it can bring to companies and so on. So uh, with that, fairly early on, uh, we came to see investors uh, saying, okay, here's what we want to do and here is how it could look like. So of course, the prototype was extremely uh, 
you know, like like a, not not the thing that you would be extremely proud of and so on, but actually you would click and something would happen and it was enough to kind of convey <laughs> the, the vision. Um, so we, we for the first few months, it was really about getting a prototype with the limited resources we had off the, off the ground. Um, and, and that's really how we started. Um, the, the first module was uh, the new journal onboarding module. Uh, the new journal onboarding module because uh, we felt that it would, embody our vision of, of being an employee engagement tool. You know, even if we cover mm -hmm. the full admin and core HR part, yeah. um, we wanted to enable companies to have great employee experience as well. Mm -hmm. And this okay. is more through onboarding performance and so on. So yeah. we started yeah. with onboarding. And actually, we also had a lot of pull from some very big clients uh, mm -hmm. who wanted to, to basically review their onboarding practices and digitize them. So, yeah. so that's why yeah. we, we started with even though, again, from the very beginning, it was clear that it should be an all-in-one. So it was not an onboarding uh, first and then we will see. From the very beginning, everything was optimized for onboarding to be a component of the all-in-one. Okay, I see. That, that is highly interesting. Um, I, I would have bet like you started with the payroll because that's what I see a lot in the market. Uh, <laughs> different for it your... It's just a big debate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So interesting to see that you started differently. Uh, I want to quickly ask you this question because you mentioned just before, like, especially during the current time, right? The lockdown, the COVID uh, that we have, uh, the onboarding is uh, a lot facilitated with, with that one. So, so is it for you? I don't want to talk about a good time, but is it more like, was the time more like an accelerator for your company? Did, did that situation really help you to, to push your, your company and your platform out? I'd say that, um, that uh, I mean, beyond the, the, the bad things that might have uh, uh, been brought by the, by the serum, because we also, as a, as a young company, had to manage a lot of uh, this as well. So uh, indeed, we try to see the positive and try to leverage the situation as much as we could. And for sure, we uh, took the opportunity to go uh, deeper, uh, deeper in some parts of the of the of the product. So I would say that yes, uh, we we try to leverage this time as much as we could. Um, in the end, I would not say that uh, we would not have done that if it was not for the pandemic. It's still something we want really to be product focused. So. Our, our clients usually see it and they, they, they love it, basically the level of support, but also the speed at which you know, the software evolves. So it's something that we have deeply ingrained. We are really, uh, we want really to have the best platform and we work hard to, to, mm -hmm. to that pandemic or not, I would say, uh, yeah. or, or lockdown or not. Um, in the end, I would say that still clearly the team members are a bit tired of those, the, uh, you know, like this, those uh, work from home uh, things and so on. Even though it allowed us to focus on a few areas, net net, I'd rather we all go back to the office and have a, a good uh, team mindset and, uh, and, and so on. Yes, yeah, I understand. Okay, that's cool. Awesome. Um, um, let me think. Um, maybe one more question I can I can push in here uh, because <laughs> I, I, it's just a general interest. Now that you're uh, 10 years in Malaysia and you developed uh, the software, I think mainly for the Malaysian market, right? But uh, I would assume you, you, you go to other markets, um, maybe in Southeast Asia or wherever they play badminton. Uh, but how, how would you see like the, the, that is just a general question, the, the biggest differences in uh, managing HR between Malaysia and France? Um, do you see like big difference or gaps there? So is, is it even possible to use the same software with the same processes like throughout 
Europe or let's say France specifically? Yeah, that's a, that's a very interesting uh, part. So we we never intended BrioHR to be um, a, a Malaysian-based software for the Malaysian market. Meaning that since since day one, even before we we started oh, officially, okay. it was uh, for uh, mostly Southeast Asia. Meaning that we always knew that Malaysia was a great base to actually cater for uh, the full region, mm -hmm. uh, but it was never really uh, for uh, Malaysia only. The, uh, the, of course, being in Malaysia, we started with Malaysia, but there is a, a fun fact uh, to it, which is that we had the first three clients, the first ever three clients we had was one in Malaysia, one in Singapore, and one in Indonesia. <laughs> so so okay. it, 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 was really, it was really the objective to cover the full region, to, to build something from day one yeah. that would be sophisticated enough for companies with multiple hundreds of employees. So it mm -hmm. could go from 10 to, let's say, a few thousands, yeah. Um, yeah. but also across country. So, so we had the platform that that since the beginning is geared toward international. And today we have users in more than fifteen countries actually. Uh, and and the, even though practices from one country to the other differ, uh, we still uh, we still embedded a level of flexibility in BrioHR that helps an HR team based in let's say uh, Malaysia or Singapore run a group of companies that are operating in multiple countries mm -hmm. because of the flexibility and the configurability that we have okay. built in Rio So, So yeah, today we actually have clients in Europe. Uh, we have clients, um, of course, in all over Southeast Asia and beyond clients, companies, we have users in the US and, and so on and so on. So it's a very, and it was a big investment on our part to, to, to be the software that, that will help companies do that because that was the gap that we, that mm -hmm. we had identified actually. Awesome. Okay, really awesome. Thank you so much, Ben, for uh, sharing uh, your journey, uh, your experience as an entrepreneur. Also, maybe my last question is sometimes like uh, your tips for uh, young guys that want to start a company, want to become entrepreneur. Uh, usually we just see the tip of the iceberg. You have an awesome company, but that's not all of it. Uh, it's a struggle. It's pain. It's uh, you sweat a lot. What is your message to uh, young entrepreneurs? So I, I would say that um, I, I, it's a message where, uh, where basically I would say um, don't overestimate the risks. Um, so I always have this, uh, this policy when I think about things about uh, kind of the, the no regret or the regret minimization framework, right? Which is, a, which is a, a, not for me, of course, uh, which consists in saying, when when all is done, when it's like I don't know, I, let's say uh, I'm I'm very old and so on, I want to look back and just make sure that I cannot say, oh, if if only I had done this, or if only I had tried that, and so on. So my 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 um, my advice would be honestly to to if you want to go for it, I would never try to force someone who is not sure. But if you want to go for it, my advice is just go for it. It starts with a resignation letter often. Go give this resignation letter. Of course, it, it doesn't have to be day one. You can start for a few weeks, for a few months, thinking about it, trying to do something on the side to, to validate a few hypotheses and so on. But I would say, yeah, don't uh, don't overestimate the risk. Worst case, you'll find another job. You know, like like, and really, it's true. You know, if you if you if you are determined enough to to leave everything to start a company. You've got it. You, you've got the skill set that other companies will be looking for whenever you are you are yourself uh, looking for a job. <laughs> so that, that would be my advice. Awesome. Um, I'm still a young entrepreneur myself. I mean, 
not that young, but young as an entrepreneur. So I, I, I hope I will, uh, you know, refine my, uh, my, uh, my advice so that I can give as much as possible relevant things. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you very much, uh, Ben. I really appreciate uh, your time uh, that you took to, uh, to have this, uh, well, kind of short chat. Um, uh, great, to, great to meet with you. Uh, thanks for your time. And uh, I'm wishing you and the company uh, all the best and uh, great success also. Yeah, thank you very much, Patrick. And it was a pleasure uh, chatting with you and on your show. And uh, thanks a lot for the for the nice question that helps me, you know, think back about uh, what led me to it and, and reflect on my life. <laughs> I hope it will be enjoyable for everyone. And uh, yeah, thanks again for having me. Cool. Awesome. Thanks so much. And uh, thanks for watching and listening to this uh, episode with uh, Ben, the co-founder and CEO of Brio HR. Uh, thanks, Ben. Thanks to you. And I hope you like, enjoyed it. And then I see you next week for another episode of Pat's Chat. Thanks. Have a great day.